0: Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays 5pm at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This series is looking at how um, Jesus appears to his followers, his disciples after his resurrection. Um, So we just celebrated Easter and um, now we're moving, we've actually got our eye, one eye forward on Pentecost. Um, So I'm going to cover a little bit of that tonight. Um, But for those of us who need a refresher on Pentecost, Pentecost was a moment in time where the prophecy of Joel 2.28 was fulfilled. Our best guess was that the prophet Joel wrote somewhere around 800 BCE. Um, Luke wrote Acts around 61 CE, but the events of Pentecost happened around 33 CE. Um, So I did a little bit of calculator work and smoke came out the side about 780 years earlier. So that's a long time to wait for fulfilment of a prophecy, isn't it? Like some of us can't wait a week. (coughs) Lord, you said, well, 780 years have gone by. So what did Joel prophesy? Because it's an important one. He said that God's Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh. Now, that seems easy enough for us today because it's happened. But it was a bit of a scandalous idea that God's presence would come upon people, the everyday people. Now, God did empower particular people for particular roles and particular goals. But the notion that God's holiest spirit could then dwell upon people was extremely scandalous. Now the idea is that the Holy Spirit would come on all flesh. Uh, So if you were a Jew, the idea of God's Holy Spirit arriving on a Gentile was even more scandalous, right? So two very distinct transitions here. And guess what? You and I are Gentiles. right? So when Joel prophesied this, he had us in mind. Um, this is God's heart for us and actually this is God's heart for everyone you know even if they don't have the Holy Spirit in their life so let's have a look today we risk glazing over this text because we've heard it before so if you want to open to Matthew 28, 19 it's one of the central ones that we kind of get drilled into us a little bit in the vineyard, but also too, if you've been a believer long enough. So I'm going to read Matthew 28. I think I'm going to go from 16 to 20. And we have it up there on the screen. So it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted him. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Um, I've missed the section there. It says, behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. So... We're going to dig through the text fairly quickly. Um, the first thing we read there is that Jesus' disciples had arrived at a mountain in Galilee in which Jesus had instructed them to go. So my first question was, well, when did Jesus tell them, hey, we're going to get together on this mountain, right? So go about the book, find out. In Matthew 26, 32, Jesus says to his disciples just before his death. So on the way to Jerusalem. He says this, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter, referring to them. And he was telling them that very shortly they would go their own way. But he says to them this, he says, I will go before you to Galilee. Right? So that was the first time. But as I kept reading, realised that he says it two more times. The second time actually comes through his angel Messenger when the ladies arrive at the tomb. The third time comes actually when Jesus is resurrected. Okay, so there's pre resurrected, and then there is an angelic message that confirms it, and then there is the resurrected Jesus who says it again. Now, in verse 17, he says, When they, meaning the disciples, saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Now, an interesting point to make here is that Matthew writes that the ladies at the tomb did a very similar thing. Okay, so we're talking about the disciples now, but if we rewind to 26, we see, I think it's 20, the start of 28, sorry. We see that actually the ladies in, who were going to mourn Jesus' death arrive, and when they see the risen Jesus, after being told to go and tell the disciples, they bow down, they grab his feet, and they worship him. On both occasions here, we see that if you've seen the risen Jesus, your very first response is to worship, even if you doubt. Now it's interesting that Matthew put in there and some doubt because. I think what he was trying to let us know is that actually we can't worship Jesus and still doubt that he's still the risen Jesus, right? Those things can exist in the same space. And they can often exist because if we think about the disciples, they've arrived at the mountain without Judas. Now it's easy for us to say, oh, he was a scumbag. He was a thief. No one cared too much about him. But If one of us were missing in here, right, because of our sin, we should be grieving the loss of that person. And in many ways, they've arrived at this time and they're missing Judas. They're missing other disciples who have not heard that Jesus has been resurrected yet, right? So we are talking about the 11, but there were more than just 11 disciples of Jesus, 11 followers of Jesus. So for us, it's easy for us sometimes to struggle to worship Jesus because we've lost family members or we've, we've lost friends or, or people we know in life who've turned their back on the faith. Maybe they've walked down on God. Worship here is the very innate posture they find themselves doing at the sight of the risen Jesus. Because they see him for who he is. And as I was pondering it this week, when I think about the times in my life where I struggle to worship, it's usually because i lost sight of the risen Jesus. It's usually the other stuff that gets in the way of me coming before him. Now in verse 18, we see that Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So I just want to pause in this a moment. Because Jesus is saying something that's key for us when we leave here today. Jesus is saying that authority is given by God and God alone. Any authority that you and I have in our homes or in our jobs has all been directly given by God the Father. Now just think about it for a moment. When we think sometimes God's absent from our lives and absent from our circumstances, the very things that we are called to do, He's already authorized us to do. Right? If we look at Jesus' life, we see that Jesus laid down His authority and service only to God the Father's will. So God the Father, it was actually Jesus' obedience to death. And then to the God the Father says, well, you've been faithful and I'm going to give you all of the authority. Right? Now we can assume that he was God beforehand so he had some authority, more than us, right? But it says here we have all authority now. I was struck by this because we just come out of Easter. And when you read the Easter story, Pilate says, I have the authority, doesn't he? (laughs) In front of Jesus. That's a good one. I have the authority to kill you. And what was his response? You have the authority because you have been given the authority. Right? Jesus knew exactly who gave the authority and he was quite secure in the person and the character of the one who gives the authority. And that was God the Father. So here's the connection for us and I think this is the first point. Obedience leads to authority because authority requires obedience. Right? So I've put up there, trust and obedience to God the Father leads to a life of authority upon the earth. But the truth is, He's already delegated you authority. If you have a family, you already have authority over people. right? If you're a teacher, you have authority over your students. God's already delegated you that. And so part of our response in the Great Commission is realising we go because we've already been given the authority to go. Right? So obedience is key in this. Trust and obedience to God the Father leads to a life of authority upon the earth. Sometimes we've got to catch up on the trust part. And we've always got to catch up on the obedience part. Right? I'm pretty safe to say that that could be all of us. Now, when we're obedient to God, He actually backs our words and and our actions with His authority. Do you realise that? If you go on behalf of your boss and you do the role in which you are commissioned to do, the authority of your boss backs up your words and your actions, right? We don't have the authority to do whatever we want. We actually have the authority to bring God's kingdom work and bring his power. So here's the thing for us, because I think deep down in all of our hearts, we actually want to see God's kingdom values in our life. We want to see it in our family and in our workplaces. And so if we want that, if we want the Holy Spirit's love and hope and joy and peace, even healing, reconciliation, then we actually have to be obedient to the kingdom in which empowers those things. Right? Now, here's what I want to say. Obedience is a dirty word. Let's be honest. We don't like being told what to do. But obedience is not blindly doing whatever you're told. Okay? I'll be careful about school teachers. But my experience with school teachers is they're very bossy. Hey? I got one sitting in the back row here? You he were never bossy to me at all. I deserved a little bit of straightening, you might say. But obedience is not blindly doing whatever you are told. I think this is the next point, Ali, if that arrives. For those... uh, We'll go back one, please. Back the other way. That's it. For those who need to tweet something tonight, because your fingers are burning. (laughs) Obedience is actually trusting in the character of the one who is calling you to be obedient. Okay. So our response of obedience is because we trust the one who has called us to be obedient. Does this make sense? Is this confusing anybody? Because I don't want this to be missed, because this is really key. We're obedient because God calls us to trust his character. Right? So it's not blindly doing just whatever we're told. We are actually obedient to love one another because God's calling us and we can trust that as we love, as we're obedient to that, God's love actually changes through us lives in real ways. My life has been changed in a real way by God's love. Sometimes that's through other people. Right? If we are obedient to to God's calling to pray for someone for healing, we can actually trust that God's power can take something that's deformed, something that's broken and actually make it brand new. We have biblical historical evidence, right, The things that were dry bones in a valley came to life. When we are obedient to forgive at God's call. Now, I just want to put that in there. God calls all of us to forgive one another. There's no there's no ifs, when, and buts about that. Okay? We have to forgive. That's just it. He forgave us. We didn't deserve it. What people do to us, right? We have to step into that space of forgiveness. But we do that because God's forgiveness... Gives us the ability to send forgiveness to others. You do it out of that place of I've received forgiveness, I can give it. Right? Very counterculture what you see on social media and the news. We are obedient to seek reconciliation at God's call because we see the works of Jesus that reconcile us to the Father. Sometimes as Christians, we need to take a step back and say, actually, what is God doing in this space? Do I need to be the one that takes the step towards reconciliation? At God's call, we need to do that. So remember, obedience is trusting in the character, right, the proven history of the person who is calling you to be obedient. Well, it seems too simple, doesn't it? But it's extremely difficult at times. So for the next couple of minutes, I'd love to go on a thought journey with you. And then we're going to pray. But first, what I'd like to invite us on is, I'd like you to imagine that the disciples chose to ignore Jesus' call to Galilee. on three occasions, they decided... Not for us. Would they have missed a conversation? Would they have missed maybe the very first church gathering? Right? This is the risen Jesus, the first church gathering. If they didn't arrive, would they have missed that? Well, yeah. But actually, what the text tells us is that they would have missed. A commissioning not just from Jesus but from the one who sent Jesus. Right? The Father. And what happens with that commissioning is the revelation that God has already called you. Okay, So when Jesus called them to be disciples he already gave them authority in the calling. Because Jesus didn't come on his phone accord he came on the fathers accord, called, right? So the disciples don't stay in Jerusalem and they don't wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Did they just miss another prayer meeting? Right? Or dinner? They would have missed this prophetic empowerment. Just imagine not being there. Imagine you were the only one who didn't get the memo, Right? something in us goes, we would really like to be there again if we had the opportunity, right? So let's be honest. If we are honest, we actually say no to Jesus quite a lot. I say no to Jesus all the time. But if we're genuine with ourselves, we don't deceive ourselves, we actually say no to him quite a lot. Maybe your work is too stressful. So you say, no, Jesus, I don't have the energy for it. Maybe you've got family issues that seem to be yelling and filling every moment of everything that you hear during the day. Maybe there's some financial stuff or some health stuff that's actually bending you to its will instead of you leaning into Jesus as well. Maybe... And I thought this one was, for a couple here tonight, your past is actually the reason you can't say yes to Jesus going forward. There's something in your history that keeps circling back and These opportune moments of God calling you into something and all of a sudden it gets robbed because of something that's happened in history. Now I appreciate that the things that are going on in my life and the things that are going on in your life are hard things to go through. But the things that we face are actually not the highest authority in our lives. And I know I've preached on this before. But when you give your life to Jesus, so a conversion. God the Father's invitation through Jesus and then the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is that they become God in your life. So we all know the scripture that says when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, That Jesus is Lord. That's the highest authority in your life. There and then. So here's the good news. is actually when we say yes to him. We don't have to come under other lesser authorities than we did before. So when the demonic comes knocking on your door. It's very easy for you to say, I don't serve you anymore. I serve the risen Jesus that's free that's been free in my life so God the father's words and his call on our individual lives hold supernatural power and they did for Jesus and when we read the scriptures I think it's the end of John says if someone wrote down all of the works of Jesus all of the books in the world would be filled. So as we head towards Pentecost, I'd like us to ask this question. What happens if Jesus is calling me and I'm busy? What happens if Jesus is doing something over here and I'm ignoring it or dismissing it? What happens if my faith in what Jesus is calling me into depends on the politics that are happening in Australia? No one in our right mind would would believe that, would we? We wouldn't think whatever happens in Canberra will influence my faith in Jesus. Turns out it does. Turns out it does. Our social media is full of our political... Ideals, things that aren't working. Not the kingdom of God, not the goodness of God's doing, but the problems. What if our faith in Jesus depends on whether the prophecy you were given twenty five years ago has come true or not? That seems very silly, then. Some of us are sitting here today still angry at God about it. Didn't come through, God, you promised. It's easy for you and me to miss moments that Jesus is calling us into. And my encouragement here is that if we miss these moments, sometimes we don't get them back. Sometimes we don't get them back. Now, I'm not saying God can't do sovereign things, okay, and that God doesn't kind of Kick me down the road consistently. Come on man, back to this, back to this, back to this, back to this, back to this. But there are some moments God calls us to where if we miss it, we miss it. Judas missed out on the Pentecost coming. Just think about it for a moment. He made a decision. And he missed out. Right? He's God sovereign, is he gracious? I'm sure he's worked all that out. But he missed out. Have you missed out? The thing is, if we miss out, then our students miss out. And our spouses miss out and our kids miss out. Our next door neighbours miss out. So it's not just us that miss out. It's all the places we go and it's all the ways we serve and love others where we miss out. So, no matter which way we look at it, if we don't make ourselves available to Jesus, we could miss the very thing that we are commissioned for. Right? On the earth. And I'm not putting the heavies on you. I'm not. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I could start playing some beautiful music here on this brand new piece of instrument. Could dim the lights. Thank you, (laughs) Joe. Could ask for your wallets to come out because the Lord is no. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is an exhortation. This is an encouragement, right? I don't want to miss out on what God's doing with us as a community. We are here in this space for a specific reason. Right? God is doing something in our, in each of our households, in each of our seasons that we are in currently. And I don't want to miss that. Now you might wonder, well, where is this commissioning that Jesus gives us? You know, where did it come from? Did he say it just once? We go to the final point, please, Ali. What we see here is that humans were wired. When Helen talked about us being in the dirt before and God breathed into us, at that same moment, God breathed into us an innate wiring to go and make something. Do you wonder why we got builders and teachers, IT, when you look around the room, all these creative people that create things. Things I can't create, things others can't create, right? Just because we are innately created to go and make something, right? So, this is humanity's Genesis Commission. Now, you might think, well, that's a bit silly, but uh, Adam and Eve were called to go and multiply. Very first commission of humanity. Right? (laughs) I'll leave that one. All the adults in the back got it. Um, (coughs) So, here's the point all of humanity, you and me that are here today, descend from their obedience. Imagine if they decided it's not my thing. Right? (laughs) Many of us have decided it's not our thing. Okay? We'll just go ahead and say, need to fix it. Now, Noah was called by God to go and build an ark. Alright. Now if you're gonna see a pattern coming here, then stay with me, okay? So what was the result? Humanity and the animals are saved from the judgment of God coming upon wickedness on the earth. Okay? That's a pretty substantial go, isn't it? Right? What other human beings listens to Noah? None. His family did. Yeah. Joseph was called by God, this time interestingly through Pharaoh. Okay, so Joseph's commissioning was not specifically God's word. It came through Pharaoh. And it's Pharaoh's call was govern the land of Egypt. Right? That's a pretty serious commissioning. The result was that he and his family and a whole generation were saved. Okay. We're going to Moses. Moses was called by God. What was God's call to him? Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? That's not a job for me. <laughs> Evidently it wasn't a job for him. It took a long time for him to do it. But the result was that we have one of the coolest miracles, which is that the Red Sea was parted. I mean, who's walked through the middle of the sea on dry land? One. One. <laughs> Amazing what you can do in a video game, isn't it? <laughs> what about Joshua? Joshua was called to be strong and courageous. courageous. See, you guys already know this stuff. Take the land that God had promised. Who? Moses. Right. Now the result was the promised land. It's pretty cool. Samuel, the prophet, he was called to go when God said to him. I'm sending you to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem as I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now just imagine if uh, Samuel said oh, oh and nah, sorry master chefs on I can't get there this week it's the final right How many of us have said oh there's something good on TV am I going tonight? We got one in the back. (laughs) (laughs) So imagine if Moses didn't go to Pharaoh. Right? God's people still in captivity. It's pretty substantial. Imagine if Joshua didn't go into the promised land. They wouldn't have had a nation. Imagine if Noah didn't make an ark. Right? None of us would be on the earth today. So there's some Old Testament examples. And um, for those who of us don't read the Old Testament, we should go to the New Testament. What about Paul and Barnabas? What if they said no? When the Holy Spirit said, hey, set these guys apart, because I have what? Commissioned them. The result would have been that most of Asia Minor in the time would not have heard the gospel of Jesus, but they would not have seen the power of Jesus this was an interesting one imagine that Philip was out boating camping and fishing when the Holy Spirit called him to share the good news to the Ethiopian who was reading the scriptures a pastor that I love to follow who is African American Has done a lot of research on this. I'll be very cautious how I say this because I'm not African American. But God chose explicitly for the gospel to reach the nation of Africa through Philip. Explaining the gospel to the Ethiopian. Right? Now, I just let's just step forward. The gospel makes it through Africa. And then it makes it to America. Right? Can we imagine what America would look like without the huge influence of the gospel in Africa first? Right? Doesn't matter when they both arrived, doesn't matter. Right? But just think about what happens when you take a huge group of people who are enslaved, who have heard the gospel, into another nation. Can you see this? God was doing something in preparation, not because. People should be enslaved. But God's work happens long before that in preparation for these things. Right? Talk about the ends of the earth. So lastly, what would it look like if Jesus, God's son, was just too busy? Too busy to take on flesh. Seriously too busy to be crucified. None of us here are too busy to be, you know, hey yeah, send me please, I'll do that. Yeah, Ken's like, I'll do it. We are seriously too busy to be crucified. But here's the next question. What if Jesus was too busy to be raised from the dead? Because some of us believe in Jesus' life and in his ministry. But we don't live the way that he's called us to out of his resurrection. What if he was too busy to be raised from the dead? Sorry, Father. Got something else on. Looks like there's some nice galaxies over there. I don't really feel like coming back to the earth. They killed me. Why should I go back to them? Hang them all. So what if Jesus ignored God's call on his life? I can guarantee you we wouldn't know each other. Up the front, say this. I often think, Oh, that's cheesy. But I genuinely care about you guys. About what happens in your worlds, what happens in your life, what happens in your families. And I want to encourage you to go and make in this new season say yes to God's calling of going. Now that will mean some of you leave this place. And that will mean some of you stay in this place. You may change your job. You might move to the other side of the world. That is not a prophetic utterance (laughs) to anybody in this room, by the way. If you claim Dan, Dan said you're going to move to the other side of the world, I have no name connected to that. It could be for someone else that's listening online. I say that because we are commissioned. And you might think, well, God's never commissioned me. Well, you were conceived. Which means that you were commissioned. And for someone who needs to hear it today, your parents are not the highest authority in your life. We are to honour our mums and dads. But if you're still living under them as the authority the words they've spoken over you, it's time to come out from underneath it. So when we go, what are we trusting in when we go? And that's my final point to us tonight. I'm not sending you to go and do it all by yourself. And Jesus is not sending us to go and do this kingdom stuff that you're reading a book. Open it, heal the sick, raise the dead. You guys have got it. Off you go. So I want to ask you, what is God calling you to? That you already know, there are some of us here already know what God's called us to and we keep saying no. Okay, well, we can keep saying no. But do we want to miss out on what God's got for us? And for our family and for the places we work and the schools that we're in. And what about this church? What if we miss out because you make the decision no, I'm just not going to follow Jesus in that way? I'm not putting the heavies on you. But my encouragement is please do it. Do it. Do it. It might cost you all that you have. But you've been given gifts. That are uniquely you. And so I can't take your spot and you can't take my spot. Right? So I'm going to ask very shortly, we're going to pray. And this is going to scare some of us because we don't really want to hear what God has to say, what He's calling us to, because we don't trust His character. We've still got stuff outstanding between us. God, you said, God, you promised. God, you haven't delivered. So we close our ears to what God has to say. But there's a promise in Jesus' calling to us, which is the very last one. Ali please. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. But who is with us to the end of the age? The resurrected Jesus. The one who is enthroned. Not the dead Jesus in the tomb. The resurrected one. And so you go with resurrection authority and power. So when God calls you into this stuff, That's what you go with. The part I want to challenge is can we be obedient? And have we got some stuff between us and God where we just stop trusting Him? Because we'll never go if we don't trust Him.